starting and growing a business is really, really hard. That's my experience anyway. Being an entrepreneur takes a lot of resilience, optimism and determination to overcome some of the biggest challenges, all while keeping a healthy balance in life. This is Pivot and Grit and I'm your host, Vaughan Broderick. I've learned how to start and grow a successful business, which is known as failing a lot, kickstart new careers and achieve academically all while in midlife. I'm also a design thinking coach, MBA graduate, entrepreneur, business mentor, speaker and proud dad of two. And I want to share everything I've learned with you on my podcast. Listen in as I share all the mistakes I've made and what I've learned so that you can get on the right path faster. We'll cut through the noise and get to the point on topics like entrepreneurship, MBA content, design thinking, innovation, strategy, and the all-important mindsets that matter. I want you to walk away with everything you need to be successful. Pivot and Grit is for entrepreneurs, startup owners, busy professionals, and anyone who's trying to up their game. I'll be giving you actionable advice in under 15 minutes once a week. Think of this as your entrepreneurship MBA in your pocket. If you give, if you give me your time, I promise I won't take it for granted. And remember, it's never too late to pivot and grit. So let's get to work. Today's show, we follow on from last week's overview of design thinking, and we will deep dive into the basics of the discovery phase. So just to refresh, we follow the duck tree design thinking model created by Dr. Christian Walsh from the University of Canterbury. And duck tree is an acronym for the six main phases of discovering, understanding, creating, testing, resourcing, and implementing. Now, in the discovering phase, this phase is all about gaining empathy for the end users. So if you recall, design thinking is a human-centered approach to design, creativity, and innovation. So with empathy, it also very much aligns with the concept of desirability and do they want it. So what we're looking to do with empathy is understand someone else's world. So it's about generating lots of questions, remaining curious. And with curiosity, it's about that continual desire to learn and just not jump to end solutions. And when we do this, we're in a divergent phase, so we're going wide. And we're always looking to start with a beginner's mind. So a beginner's mind concept is really to avoid what's called the curse of knowledge, which is where we're bringing our own perspectives and assumptions and therefore potentially blocking out some information or jumping to solutions. So with the beginner's mind, if you think about it, like when you go on holiday to a new location, everything seems new and fresh, and you're curious about every aspect of the new city or place that you're at. And so that's what we're trying to bring to the discovery phase and what's important in the in this phase is with our users or our customers is that we're really trying to understand their pain points their feelings their desires and aspirations and specifically today we're going to talk about some of the tools that you can actually practically apply in this phase and in particular that's going to be around interviews and observations 
there are other useful approaches such as diary studies, which is where the user will will make diary notes about what's been happening in the day, how they've been feeling, and that will be over a longer period of time. Or focus groups uh, are another method. And also analogous empathy, which is trying to understand how other sectors are solving a similar problem. But today we're going to be talking mainly around the interviews and in combination with their observations. So firstly, with, with interviews, how do, you, how do you locate the interviewees? Well, I think at first, what we do with any project is we want to step back and just define uh, the scope. And, and, and so once we determine what that is, we'll, we'll know where to start looking. So for interviews, who should we actually talk to? So predominantly, there's two components. So one is customers, and the other is potential customers. But importantly, the mix of interviewees that we're looking to speak with, it's more about focusing on who can perhaps help reveal information rather than being purely representative of of the community or, or the pool of customers. So, but there are some general principles. We're looking for a diverse range of people uh, in terms of their backgrounds, uh, their mindsets, attitudes. And if we think about it like sampling grains of sand on the beach, so rather than quantitative research where perhaps we're doing a survey to 3,000 people, what we're, we don't really need to, um, that data. What we're looking for is that revealing information. So it's more about deeper levels of, of why. So if we take some grains of sand perhaps close to the water's edge and then in the middle of the beach and then at perhaps at the start of the beach, I think if we took a, a sprinkle of all the sand, grains of sand from those areas, we're going to have, it's quite likely that we're going to have a good chance of having a, a revealing portion of the grains of sand in the entire beach. So we don't need to talk with every grain of sand on the beach, but if we're sampling it in those areas, we'll likely stand a good chance of getting the information that we need. And then, of course, what we can do is if we feel we need to dig deeper in other areas, we can perhaps go to another location uh, um, and interview another person or dig deeper in a particular area. And so how we might start this off quite often would be snowballing. So as an example, if we were doing some research um, within the uh, travel sector, perhaps we might want to go to uh, an area uh, where campers are. And so we might speak with, a, with one camper and then, then they might perhaps recommend to go and speak with somebody else. And so as we're going along, we're learning, but we're also identifying what potential gaps are. But ultimately... Once we've interviewed a number of people, the total number doesn't necessarily need to be very large. It could be half a dozen or it could be up to 30 people. Um, but what we're really looking for is the concept of saturation, which is effectively when we feel we're not learning anything new. So how do we go about this? Okay, so in an ideal situation, what we'd be doing is we would be video recording or audio recording them, uh, ideally in their own setting. And if we can, we also buddy up and take the buddy along who can focus on the recording 
while we focus on the interview. And that way we can free our mind from having to take any additional notes or worry about the battery life of, of the recording equipment. So what we do is, is we want to make sure that we are putting the person at ease as much as possible. So that's why having the interview in their own setting, such as their home or office where they're most comfortable, that can be really helpful for building some initial rapport. But more than that, you're also learning about more context. So on the way to their home, for instance, you can learn what it's like for them uh, to travel down that same street. Um, you're learning um, aspects about them, such as you know, uh, perhaps trophies that they, they have proudly presented or family pictures. So you get to absorb a lot more of their world. So when you first arrive at the home and and you're obviously uh, greeting each other, uh, a good path to follow for an interview is you would have the initial project in introduction, and then you'd be looking to build rapport. So that's more casual, general conversation, showing an interest in perhaps those trophies that I mentioned. And then what you're looking to do is evoke some stories as you're asking uh, the questions. And in particular, you explore the emotions and perhaps come back to um, questioning some of the statements that they've made. And then finally, a thanks and a wrap-up. Important to remember is that when that recorder is turned off, sometimes the most valuable comments that, that come from an interview are those parting comments. But most importantly is that during the interview, is you, after you've put them at ease, is that the ratio of, of talking to to non-talking is that basically they want to be um, speaking 95% of the time and yourself at 5%. Importantly, we don't want to be leading them or selling uh, any concept or product idea and not talking about uh, the future. Ideally, we want to be remaining neutral, not using jargon and allowing them to speak. And what we're really looking for is that conflict and contradictions around what they say and do uh, what they feel and say that they feel, and what they think and say that they think. So to do that, we're looking for those body language cues. And when we notice something that is perhaps a conflict or of interest for us, we can then lean into those gaps and question further. So a good technique to start with is what's called the 5WH technique. So that's what, why, when, where, who, and how. And so if you're using these open questions, uh, then that that allows the conversation to build and to avoid those yes no answers. So as far as the leading uh, concept, so as an example, uh, you wouldn't say something. How useful would it be? That would be leading them along the path. Uh, main question types are prompting questions such as, "We'd love to hear about." or tell me more about that, or even show me how you would. So as an example, they could draw their experience or what they are thinking. So most importantly is that you open up with those general questions and then go deep. And don't be afraid of silence. Silence is actually your friend. It at times may feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's giving them time to think and explore what they want to say and then obviously to allow them to say that. So that's really my approach around interviews. 
and predominantly my my go to would be always in person interviews, so that we can really obtain that richness from that whole experience um, of their world. But importantly, is also perhaps using Zoom. Now, obviously, uh, Zoom or, or virtual uh, conferencing tools, it really enhances the um, accessibility and also the efficiency. You know, it, there's no travel time, etc., and we can record using that platform. And while I said that my first approach would always be in person, another benefit of Zoom is the self-reflection aspect. And I always encourage anybody that I'm mentoring with design thinking to reflect after each interview. You know, what did you learn? You want to take a quick capture of what you what you um, experienced, what you thought, and some details around them so that you can build up that profile later. But also in self-reflecting how you performed in that interview because it is really a honing a craft and skill that you can only do through repetition. And with Zoom, you get those reps in a lot quicker, but also that self-reflection is when that you have doing the recording and you're going back afterwards to review it and draw out those insights, is that you're able to review your performance as well much easier because the platform's recording yourself. And it'd be really weird if you uh, actually took a second camera and filmed yourself while in their own home while you're doing an in-person interview. So that's one of the benefits that I have found with Zoom is that self-reflection where you can critique your own interviewing technique and make improvements, such as remaining more neutral or leaning in at important moments. Okay, well, today we covered off some of the basic methods that you use during interviews in the discovery phase. And the key takeaways that I want to leave you with today are, number one, leave your own baggage and biases behind. Remain curious to learn and explore that problem space. And secondly, practice your interview technique and self-reflect in order to master it. And if you like this episode, please share it with one other person that needs to hear the message. You can also check out my Design Thinking Ultimate Guide blog post. There's a link in the description. Until next time, thank you for listening in. This is Pivot and Grit. 